Today's date is December 1st, 2018. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, go through the latest news, the new comic book releases from your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss some topics about the world of comic books for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and rate well elsewhere. It really does help us out. You can always find us on YouTube, Stitcher, and iTunes, and be sure to check out our website, htbvids.com, where you can find links to all these things and plenty of other uh, written content and lists. Now, uh, this is a return to form for our podcast. We uh, tried to get the first episode out there we tested some new cameras didn't work out very well some new software didn't work out very well yeah uh, but i'm sure you've noticed if you're a longtime listener we're in a new location um yeah we have a new setup uh obviously we had to switch uh, some things around and uh adjust to some new interfaces along the way so this episode will not have a normal topic of the show at the end uh, instead, we're going to focus on catching up on what we've missed and Which addressing is a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then addressing uh, what's uh, you can look forward to going forward. And um, yeah, I think that covers everything. Yeah, that just about does. So, if you're just joining us for the second season here, uh, normal format of the show is just talk about what we've been reading, um, then jump into some news, knock out the news. Um, and then give out a uh, listing of all the new comics coming up to your local comic book shops this week. And uh, discuss some topics at the end of the show there. Oh, uh, yeah. Which can be submitted to our, our Twitter or Facebook or our website or our email. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at HTBVids. You can find us on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. It's everything on us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so look forward to more stuff coming in the future. We're obviously behind on a lot of reviews. We're behind on a lot of uh, individual videos that we wanted to make. And uh, yeah. obviously <laughs> it's been a while since our last episode, several months, uh, basically the entire summer. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> most of the fall here. So without further ado, Emery, what have you been reading? Um... I actually have been really busy. Wow. But uh I will say this. I oh I I caught up to issue 11 of Mr. Miracle and I don't know if I want to read past this. Wow. For those of you oh. unfamiliar, Emery and I were very high in Mr. Miracle when it first came out. Yeah. And uh we followed it along for a long time there. Um, Mitch Gerards is the artist, I believe. And yeah. Who's the It was Tom writer? King. It is Tom King. Tom King uh, really got into comics pretty recently, you know, the past few years here as a writer. Uh, he has his, I believe, a CIA background. Uh, at what level and, you know, uh, and what his job was specifically. It could have been, you know, paper pusher all the way up to full-blown agent. Who knows? Um we I'm, definitely don't. I'm sure that info's out there somewhere in the, the ether, but I'm not familiar myself. Uh, but he does have a government, you know, service-based background. And uh, from what I understand, you know, writing was his 
passions, specifically comic writing. So he jumped in and he uh, started his foray with a very controversial beginning, uh, Grayson, which I was very much against (laughs) (laughs) Um, because of the concept, not because of the writing. Um, And he actually wrote that very well. It was a really good book. I just thought they didn't need to put Dick Grayson in that role. And uh, it was just kind of a gimmicky way of trying to prevent, you know, fan outlash from killing Nightwing and the forever evil storyline and basically giving themselves a way out. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's how I interpreted it. But it was a good book. It had great art and had pretty good writing and it really gave Tom King uh, uh, an avenue into further projects and deeper projects. Uh, And uh, Mr. Miracle was the latest, greatest hit from him last year uh, and into this year. And we really enjoyed it from the outset. So why have you soured on it? Um, Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, I've been, this entire time, I've been waiting for that uh, defining hero moment and it just doesn't seem like it's coming it doesn't seem like tom king's take on scott free has uh any plans of becoming anything other than this chronically depressed constantly reflecting on their own ptsd character i Which is on theme for Tom King as of recent. It it is. The Heroes in Crisis book and a few other other books, which, you know, good concept to, you know, adjust to and use for your writing. Yeah. Not sure it's being done the most appropriate way, but. Yeah, I think there's, there are limits to the effectiveness and the appeal of deconstructing a character and deconstructing a character to the point where you are either delving a bit too deep on their personal issues or inventing all new ones for them to have to deal with. Um, There are right and wrong ways to do that. Uh, At the very beginning of Mr. Miracle they had done that the right way by shocking you with something that you didn't even know was an issue, which, much like the topping in question, suicide or suicide attempts, any person who looks at something like that from the outside in, it's shocking every time, Mm -hmm. Uh, which that's the right way to, like, hit someone over the head with that. Uh, But when it gets to issue 10 and you see that the the neuroses isn't just a character uh affectation or a character issue that he has to deal with it this is something that you could feel seeping into the rest of the entire book is like the the entire trajectory of the book seems like it's not just all of these characters having to deal with Scott's point of view, but it feels like uh, the entire book becomes about how do we deal with Scott? (laughs) And uh, 
Now, if you watched a few of the episodes uh, leading up to our hiatus there, you probably know that I was kind of souring on Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Even at that point. Yeah, and it is. Uh, like, you had soured a few issues before I did. Yeah, somewhere around, like, uh, issue like, seven or eight. Somewhere around there, I was starting to just lose interest. Yeah. And it's not because the concept wasn't interesting. I just felt it was getting very long in the tooth, and I felt it was becoming more of an artistic piece than an actual narrative piece that I could enjoy. Yeah. And um, not that that's a bad thing necessarily, but I just felt like the story wasn't progressing at all. And um, it was just kind of falling in love with itself, you know, and it's, you know, mystique, I guess. Right. Um, And that's, you know, obviously it's not an indictment of Tom King or anything like that. You know, they're obviously doing what they wanted to do. Um, But I'm not sure this book needs to be 12 issues long. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I don't know if they've finished their run yet because we've been kind of out of touch for a little bit, uh, being both busy, but we did get pretty far before we had to take our hi- hiatus there. And, you know, I just felt like it was not getting to any kind of conclusion. Like I, I felt like it I, was, I it was running that, and yeah. didn't know how to end. I think the last issue's already come out. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. And of course, it, if it hadn't come out, I wouldn't be surprised because any fan will know of that book. It was getting delayed every other month. Yeah. And, you know, you'd have issue six, and then two months, three months later, you'd finally have issue seven. And right. by then, you know, most people have forgotten about your book and, you know, dropped off, which, again, we talk about this all the time especially in the first season there you know, yeah about the organization of the industry where they have this month-to-month you know survival-based economy instead of just preparing the entire project and breaking it up into parts and then selling it after it's been completed right and it's full and coherent and you know <laughs> there isn't yeah there, there's nothing from the outside affecting the story as time goes on there's yeah. like having a complete thought out already produced story before putting any of it to paper or establishing any of the art mm-hmm. i think is something that if they don't adopt that model soon uh, comics is slowly going to die <laughs> and which it has been over several years you know they yeah. get a boost in sales every time they try a reboot or something for a very short period of time but then those typically go awry and then all the sales start to drop off um i think a lot of it you know i think they need to adopt more of a you know tv show uh maybe aspect to it maybe that's a bad example because some tv shows do go kind of you know week to week and production and everything but uh, maybe more of a movie outlook where you have the movie prepared, it's completed, you know, maybe you got to do some final tweaks, but then you release it, you know, um, as a completed project instead of, you know, uh, just, you know, pacing yourself month to month and hoping that you, you're not going to run into any hitches or delays or, you know, personal problems that's going to de- delay the project or funding problems, you know, just pay for it from the the get go, you know, maybe sign some kind of, commission deal where you know here's the down payment to do the project for the writer and the artist and the illustrator and you know the letterists and all that thing uh and then give them each a percentage of you know the eventual proceeds yeah um, 
based on how it per- performs and have it split into, you know, 12 or 8 or, you know, 24 very clear and concise issues instead of, you know, hoping that you're going to be able to fit this part of your narrative into uh, the next issue or that you're not going to have to stretch yourself when you realize, oh, maybe I didn't need a full 12 issue run to do this, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So I think it would be beneficial both for business and for the creators uh, to just do that kind of model. And, uh, you know, I understand the fears that, you know, maybe you'll invest in this project and then you'll find out, you know, at the end, though, you know, the writer or artist dropped off the face of the earth and just didn't ever get the final books out. Right. You know, I, yeah, I would rather do maybe kind of the modern, you know, book publisher model where you give, you know, a half or three fourths of the, you know, payment for the project up front. They do the project, complete the project, and then they get the last fourth or the last half of the payment plus, you know, a percentage commission based on sales. Uh, I think that would be a much more competent uh, business model, and I think it would allow the comic industry not only to have better products, but to sustain itself a little bit longer and not be kind of the charity case of the entertainment industry uh, going forward. But again, if you've listened to us a lot, you've probably heard this spiel a lot from me and Emery both. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's nothing... Like the concept of how they should restructure it is nothing new for us. Yeah, so we'll both uh, finish off Mister Miracle there before too long. But um, I think Mister Miracle also suffers in that it was right next to uh, Batman White Knight. Oh, which, and yeah, Batman yeah. White Knight was coherent from beginning to end. Had everything you could ever want. Had very good pacing. It was yeah. created by a single person, so you know that's yeah. not the issue. And um, it was just phenomenal you know the art was great the writing was great the everything was coherent it seemed like something that could be collected you know in one book and be outstanding or it could be split into 12 equal parts and be outstanding you know. yeah this like um, the, the writer on that did so well that they had to ask him to do another issue yeah, on Scott, it before Scott did a great job and yeah it's just, that is um it, it it really made mr miracle look kind of bad when Mr. Miracle was going through all these delays and all these publishing issues. And I know that, uh, I think Mitch was having some personal events. I think maybe he had a child or something in there. Um, yeah. So I'm sure personal events got in the way, but if you had done the project ahead of time and had it commissioned and, you know, maybe waited to start releasing everything until everything was finished, you wouldn't have had that issue because everything was already, would already be there and ready for publication. So, yeah. Um, it's it's just another case of having a really good project and a really good concept right next to this other really good project and concept. But one of these authors knows when to quit <laughs> or yeah. knows when to stop and knows how good their shit is. No. Uh, the, like th- This was the sign, I think, personally, of someone who had all of these issues planned in advance mm-hmm. is like, you could tell like from the beginning that he already had an end in mind for that arc. Yeah. And it showed and to its benefit. I kind of, I'm, I'm concerned. It was just more of the business model. I think it was probably, they, you know, signed a contract or was told by DC proper that, Hey, you're doing 12 issues, 13 issues, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And they said, okay, how are we going to stretch this out? Because maybe we did a little bit too much too early, and now we have to 
figure out what to do yeah. uh, for an issue or two, you know, stuff like that. And it, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, you know, we are getting more connected, long-paced stories out of the, you know, the comic book world. So it doesn't make as much sense as it used to to do this kind of month-to-month comic release and project yeah. uh, term. And I get it. We got a lot of digital assistance now that, you know, they didn't used to have uh, that probably frees up artists and uh, creators a little bit to do a little bit more. Um, but when you have these kind of overarching stories and tie-ins and whatnot, you know, instead of the, you know, short, sweet, you know, month-to-month, you know, villain of the week type of deal uh, yeah. like they typically had in, you know, the 60s, 50s, 40s, so on. Um, it just doesn't make sense to keep this, you know, last-minute, you know, financial situation for every single project, you know. I'd rather just have a prepared and proper, you know, arc or, you know, 12-issue portion prepared and ready to go way ahead of the time and then just release it episodically to, you know, maintain tradition or keep it episodic or whatever you want to do. Um, but, yeah, that's that's much beyond that. So, yeah. Have you been reading anything else? Um, I have uh, actually fallen behind on... Mr. and Mrs. X. Oh, the new uh, power marriage in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. This is the one that uh, a long time ago I thought would never happen. Now, having said that, are you happy that Rogue and Gambit are together? I am. In marriage. I am. Uh, This was a pairing of two individuals who clearly knew their way around a relationship and managed to have several relationships b- both before and after starting one with each other. Um, hot. Oh, yeah. So hot. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, having the opportunity to marry the two hottest X-Men together and then have them have their own book... Guys, <laughs> why have we not done this sooner? Emery's creaming himself over here. Hey. If this is your first episode, uh, Gambit is famously Emery's favorite character. Uh, it, yeah. And no, I am not creaming myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the horizon, though. Uh, don't, don't, don't get us started. So um, for what you have read, are you enjoying it? Uh, there's a... a bit of silliness that isn't really needed for it but um overall i think it's a, it's a pretty good run so far nice um it, it starts uh post marriage and you get to see the two of them uh embark on adventures that start in outer space and i think are still kind of in outer space the reason why is, is, is- Daddy-in-law in the picture, the <laughs> space pirate. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That is... <laughs> Cyclops is dead. Cyclops is dead. <laughs> Actually, that might be in an issue that I haven't gotten to yet. I'm pretty sure the Starjammers actually do show up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the Shi'ar has shown up. Deadpool has shown up. <laughs> 
Why? <laughs> because he's so hot right now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Makes sense. Deadpool 2 came out this year. Wow. Oh. It does not feel like that. That's the last review we attempted to complete, but did not complete because uh, our video was corrupted or something. So yeah, sorry, sorry about it's that. coming eventually. Yeah, we'll, we we'll, got a lot of making up to do. So yeah, we, we uh, got a, that. We got a <laughs> lot coming down the pipeline. Our pipeline's a little clogged, hot, <laughs> if you will. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, there's lots of surprises, lots of new things for this hot new married couple <laughs> to to go out and do mm. it, read it yeah. <laughs> see that kind of reflects on the uh dc universe a bit because uh at the same time there was also a wedding going on in the dc universe oh um this one between batman and catwoman which so we have should have been hot. So it's kind of like uh, the summer marriage season this year, where yeah. we had Kitty Pride and Colossus getting married. I think again, uh, they were um, they were about to get married again, but things happened. You uh, know. Last minute Ooh. cancellation, <laughs> and then, uh, and then Rogue and Gambit, and now Batman and Catwoman. And yeah, they all sort of have their kind of marriage escapades going on. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really a fan. <laughs> like I, I, I get it. The characters deserve to progress and get married and do whatever. But I don't want to see Batman and Catwoman <laughs> married. Well, the, the thing, yes. well, the, the thing about that is that they they didn't. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> it's a little up in the air on that one. But yeah, uh, well, principles. Uh, yeah, the the thing that I think you might have missed is that. Uh, tragically, Batman got left at the altar. Hat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird world, right? Right now, yeah. Uh, kind of power couples having their own storylines going on, and yeah, yeah it's uh, like it's a strange thing. Yeah, as as it stands right now, the thing that has me the most surprised is the fact that out of all of the relationships that turned into uh, weddings that happened, only one of those survived. <laughs> and the one you probably wouldn't expect. Yeah. yeah. It was like, out of all of these, I more than anything, I expected uh, Kitty Pride and Colossus to finally tie that goddamn knot. Yeah. I, uh the odds were a little less in the favor of Batman and Catwoman because we like both of those characters to be single. Yeah, Batman's kind of a, you know, self-hating egomaniac while Catwoman is a thieving, conniving, scheming individual. Klepto- kleptomaniac. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that one I didn't see happening, but uh yeah, that that marriage was going to crash and burn if they succeeded anyway. Uh, being left on the altar probably did everyone, including you readers, a favor. But then both of those failed. <laughs> and then Rogan and Gambit, Gambit, the most yes. the most tumultuous, like openly tumultuous yeah. relationship. Second only to maybe Joker and Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's the one that makes it... Yeah, it was a little, <laughs> it's a little strange. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm entertained by it, but 
It's a little strange, <laughs> for sure. A little bit, a little bit. There's the things I didn't expect to actually go through. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, have you been reading anything else? Um, I think the only other thing that I read was the uh, final issue of Maestros. See, don't spoil it for me. I, I have yet I to am, pick up that last issue. I'm not but, saying shit. But damn, do I love that book. <laughs> oh. Maestro's was by far my favorite book of, what, 2017 when it started? Yeah. And it's probably going to still be my favorite book of 2018, even though it ended, you know, several months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes. damn, is that book good. Oh, for an adult it, audience, obviously, but the art is outstanding. The writing is ridiculous oh, and outstanding. It's uh, so it's, good. It's so good. It's one of the best comedy anythings I've ever read. <laughs> it is just so good, so great. I mean, I love every bit of it. So read Maestros if you haven't read it yet. Please read Maestros. And to Will Beasley. It, as long there. as you are 18 and older. Will Beasley, you're still getting that volume. It's just a matter of getting it in the mail, finally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's coming to you as a uh, past uh, producer of the show. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, Will. We yep. love you. Still on the way. Um, I've been catching up on a few books uh, this week leading up to uh, the relaunch of the show. Uh, I caught up on Heroes in Crisis, as we talked about earlier. Um, Ooh, how's and that one? That first issue was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it at least set up a premise that I was interested in, although it's not quite what I expected or what I was hoping to see from a book about... Um, kind of, um, you know, a PTSD-focused narrative. Uh, yeah. Instead of, it's more of a murder mystery, uh, brainwashing shenanigans type of book, which I'm not yeah. so about. Um, but, you know, it's not my story. It's Tom King's, and I need to remind myself of that as I go through. It, you know, right. It's it, not it's intended to be what I thought it was intended to be. Right. Um, it, it is so gotta, ultimately his story. And if it is something that interests us, we'll buy it. If not, yeah, we'll, so we'll leave it on the shelves. It's on issue three right now. I don't know if it's had delays. It must have. Cause, uh, you know, I, I read the first issue. What? Well, maybe it was about three months ago. So I don't know. Maybe it hasn't been delayed, but, um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> It's fine, but it's focusing on some characters that have to be written perfectly to be good, yeah, like enjoyable to read. And right now, the story's focusing on it, Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. <laughs> I, 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 Wait a minute. Yes, that, that's those are the cornerstones of our story. Um, they have kind of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, the big three, the Trinity. They're in the wings, kind of addressing what is happening in this book. Um, but it it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it seems a little silly in some regards in a book that's trying to be serious and kind of failing at it. And I think. I Did Tom King lose a bet or something? I don't know. Like it, it's such a good concept on paper, but the people he's using, I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it was a good idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've seen some I, things that make it yeah. look like it's trying to address the issues of convergence. Yeah, and and quite yeah, it's it's definitely addressing some problems that convergence has 
has left over in the DC proper universe. Yeah. Uh, Excess characters and extra characters and, you know, people that were left over from Dark Knight's you know metal 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 and all that stuff you know all that silly stuff that has happened up to now um but i just think it was such a big mistake to focus the story so heavily on harley quinn in particular because she is so hard to read and there's there's very few versions of harley quinn that i think can carry their own story very few and this is not one of them in my opinion and Booster is, you know, I love Booster. I, I'm on the record saying I love Booster and I love reading his stuff. But in this case, he's just not only is he a big dummy, but he's, you know, like really leaning into being a big fucking idiot and having the, you know, kind of <laughs> shitty, you know, plot narrative of, you know, being, oh. having amnesia about an event, a very convenient amnesia. You know? Oh, no. And it's, just, <laughs> it's like every generic you know plot twist that you could imagine and it's just i don't think it's working up to this point again we're only three issues in it could get better but the art is great um the artist has done a a wonderful job but i just i am having a lot of trouble staying in the story uh i do want to know what's going on but that's about it (laughs) like that's the only thing keeping me in there and it's it's leaning very heavily on you know past you know narratives and storylines to kind of push its way through and i don't i don't think it's being very effective and it's disappointing because i do think tom king is a great writer in his own right and has done very good work particularly on grayson so yeah i mean like, if he, anybody could convince me that grayson was a good idea it was him and he, he managed to write a really good book on a concept that i r- genuinely hated <laughs> um and that's, that's yeah that's saying something something i wanted to hate with all my heart <laughs> i enjoyed because his writing was so good and the art was so good so yeah um, it's, it's not an indictment on tom king i just don't think this is his best work and i I'm, yeah i'm hoping I, he can turn it around going forward yeah i i think while the intentions are good and probably pure i think the the execution and the uh narrative choices made already starting off with two people who are always paired with someone else and then putting this odd couple together it just it doesn't sound like it would fit yeah and like ever it's 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 kind of like the, uh, I don't know the Tarantino effect where the story is jumping from one place to another to another to another and it's focused on too many characters doing too many stupid things that don't need to be there and oh. you know, it, even in the the way it's framed and told is very annoying and kind of I don't know. <laughs> I feel like every time I'm starting to get into the story, it does one of those Family Guy cuts into something completely separate, you know? Oh to, God, cutaways to, to tell a joke or to do something stupid, and it's just—I I don't think it's adding to the story. I think it's making it a very hard read. And as much of a DC fanboy as I am, I'm, I'm struggling. So, um, another DC book I've been catching up on is. Um, Justice League Odyssey, I think it's called. Um, ah. This one is a, a, a weird book, uh, kind of spinning from the uh, No Justice Scott Snyder book um, that uh, attempted to add to the universe and create more uh, in a way that's not related to Dark Knight's Metal, although <laughs> it kind of is, unfortunately. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, Dark Knight's Metal is rough. Um, <laughs> but No Justice kind of created a bunch of separate teams to kind of prevent these, you know, godlike creatures from basically devouring Earth and several other, you know, important planets in the DC universe. And um, the fallout of this is several different teams you wouldn't expect to be together. And this Odyssey book. It's a team of Starfire, Cyborg, uh, Jessica Cruz's Green Lantern, which is the most recent one who came from another universe, if I'm not mistaken, and was was previously evil, I think, but I don't I don't remember. That's uh, weird. There's man. so many Green Lanterns, it's hard to keep track of everybody now. Yeah. Um, and uh, Azrael, I don't know why he's in the group, but he is. And <laughs> uh, Darkseid, the new reincarnation of Darkseid. Dark side. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah, it's a weird book. It is kind of intriguing. I don't. I still don't get why Azrael was the choice to go with for a space adventure. I think he's probably the weakest link in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the, this it, is the same conundrum when it comes to like looking at Batman when it comes to the rest of the entire Justice League lineup. And yeah. It's like. Okay, every single one of these other people has something fantastic and amazing about them. This guy dresses up in a weird gimp suit and has a bunch of tools. I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird concept. And I'm all about weird teams. Like uh one of my favorite New 52 books was uh Green Lantern New Guardians which teamed up a bunch of different lanterns you know, yeah. from the different color spectrums with White Lantern Kyle Rayner. That, and that one surprisingly worked a lot better than I ever would have thought. Yeah, it was outstanding, but it also kind of made sense because they were all kind of space creatures that were lanterns and had a reason for being there. Right, they had this one unifying thing. I don't understand why a... Gotham focused <laughs> Knight of Saint Dumas is <laughs> going around space in Brainiac ship with this weird ragtag group of completely unrelated people. The only people that are really related, you know, are Cyborg and Starfire. Uh, well well yeah, for Teen Titans, but in yeah. this universe Cyborg wasn't part of the Teen Titans, he was part of the he, Justice League. Oh, they w- put him straight in because yeah. Let's take out the thing that we actually I mean, remember him for. They change it whenever <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> I, I, I've talked about this before. I don't think Cyborg should ever be on the Justice League. Yeah, I think he's no. a Teen Titan. I think he's a Titan, period. Yeah. If Nightwing is not on the Justice League, Cyborg most definitely should not be on the... the it, yeah. I look. think he's, he's not a Justice League member, and he shouldn't be, in my opinion. I think, you know... It's like th- there know. are other ways to address... The elephant in that room. Diversity. Yeah. I, 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 we have it's, diverse characters. You know, you got Jon Stewart. Yes. You know, why don't you yeah. have ways? Is uh, the, the Martian Manhunter on the regular turns si- into yeah. a black person? It just doesn't match Cyborg's character, and I think it's very ill suited to him. Yeah. Um, you could have Mr. Terrific in there. Mr. Uh, Terrific please. would be way better like it, and <laughs> way more appropriate for the Justice League than, you know. The Terrifics. Then Booyah. <laughs> I don't want flaccid booyahs. I want the loud, proud booyah. Loud, proud, fully <laughs> erect booyah. 
That booyah needs to penetrate my sullen heart <laughs> and make me excited again. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a weird group. It, in some ways it works, in some ways it doesn't so far. Um, only a few issues in, but it's an intriguing concept. And the art is great. I love the art. It was the main reason I picked up the book in the first place, because I love the cover art of the first issue. So yeah, um, we'll see how it evolves through time. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, other books that I need to catch up on, like Highest House, I was really heavy on uh, when we took our hiatus there. Uh, yeah. And I really want to get back into that. I think it's an IDW book, but it's outstanding. I really enjoy it. Uh, and I can't wait to get back in there and see how they're kind of flipping typical narratives on their head, uh, which they did, I think, with the last issue I read, which is issue four or five. So, yeah. Uh, Highest House, I really heavily recommend that one. Go pick it up. And, then, you know, there's a few of them that we got to. Uh, it was a death or glory, death so or glory. That, that's another one we gotta yeah. catch up on. Stuff like that. Yeah, so. imaginary fiends, definitely. Yeah, uh, that one from Vertigo and Death or Glory from uh, Image, I believe. Yeah. So, Witchblade, we gotta catch up on. Oh, so there was a lot of good books we kind of left and you know standing there when we took our hiatus and we gotta we have catch some up on. homework to do. Yeah, we've been working a lot. Uh, you know, at our actual jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, a lot of hours. So, yeah. We haven't really had the time to get everything going again. Not yet. So, that until ra- today. That wraps up pretty much everything that we've been reading there. Um, we don't have did the content match drapes this week because obviously it's been a long time yeah. since uh, we've done the comic <laughs> and. Uh, it has been quite some variant time. comic of the week. So, uh, look forward to that next week. With that, let's get into the news. Now, once again, we're not going to have topics of the week this week because there's so much news that we have to catch up on from this summer um, and this fall. So let's jump into it. Oh, boy. First up, the biggest and most obvious, Stanley's death. Um, Stanley has finally passed away. Uh, we thought him immortal for so long. <laughs> Only because he lasted uh, so long against the odds, like given, like, the turns that his health had taken. Yeah, and um, there's some really great videos of him talking about his fans, talking about you know things with his wife. I think, uh, uh, I think it was on uh, Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith that I uh, heard Kevin Smith talk about his story when he was uh, interviewing him at his house with his wife. Yeah, and it, it's a really sweet tale i'm not going to retell it i recommend you go listen to it on his podcast there yeah um, and also just watch fat man on batman or fat man beyond at this point <laughs> yeah it's fat man beyond now yeah um but it's it, it's a really kind of sweet story there's a lot of great stories uh during that episode and i think they did it on hollywood babylon too uh and, and to a lesser extent but um there's a lot of great stuff coming out there and um we will have kind of a Stanley Life and Review kind we of memorial will. episode for him coming very soon. Um, so look out for that if you want to kind of work out your feelings about the legend Stanley uh, with us there. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll TL, kinda, we'll, yeah. We'll kind of give you a, a history of his life the, and his accomplishments. We'll talk about, you know, uh, the way he influenced us, the way he's influenced, you know, others. Um, so please look forward to that. And if you would be so kind, check that out. Uh, cause it's gonna, it's a project that I think is going to mean a lot to both of us. So, Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm sure plenty of you. Yeah. Uh, the TLDR for that Stanley 
is a man who lived yeah. <laughs> in every sense of the word. And it's kind of sad because that last year or year and a half or so of his life was kind of a uh, whirlwind of kind of, I, I would assume, painful things for him, you know. You yeah. Know, from the point is, his wife handled all his financials, from what I understand, along with his agent and his accountant. And then after she passed, his kind of barrier from, you know, I, for lack of a better term, leeches in his life. Um, of which there were many. He, he know, was a very successful man. Agents, co-workers, uh, you know, family members that yeah. were apparently very abusive to him and kind of manipulating him and doing things like drawing his blood to Ooh. have him sign things in his blood to make extra money, you know, and stuff Good like that. Just horrible God. stuff that he yeah. was having to deal with. You know, some of it's probably rumor and, you know, probably not true or you know at least not true to the extent that we think it is um but there was a lot of unfortunate things going on that last year um which is kind of sad to think about but it seems uh based on some of the videos we've seen coming out since uh that he still maintained you know the persona of stanley and kind of that image we have of him so yeah uh Highly recommend you go out and kind of YouTube some of these things. They're really, really great and really good to listen to. Uh, and again, more on that in the future. So, uh, rest in peace, Stanley. You're definitely going to be missed. Um, and for those of you curious, supposedly he's already recorded uh, a lot of his cameos for stuff like Captain Marvel uh, and um, the second part of Infinity War, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, it's going to be a. <clears throat> a very bittersweet feeling, I think, when we see those cameos after the fact. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of like Heath Ledger, you know, with the Dark Knight. You know, it's like he's already dead by the time it premiered, and it was very, it's very strange. Um, yeah, watching the last performances of someone who's already passed, it's, it's, it. There's going to be something odd about it for sure. So, uh. Once again, rest in peace, Stanley. You will be missed. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, this this summer we had quite the uh, penis controversy <laughs> with <laughs> Batman Damned, which is a uh, book that has been uh, coming out. I think it's part of the DC Black Label movement that they've been pushing here uh, these past few months. And um, yeah, oh this book God. has. <laughs> risen to fame not because of its particularly great writing or anything like that don't know i haven't read it just yet but um <laughs> <laughs> it rose to fame because before the book even came out reviewers revealed that you get to see bruce wayne's penis for the first time <laughs> uncensored <laughs> and this is a book meant for adult readers from the get-go um but it's kind of unfortunate because it's it kind of devoured any kind of accessibility for the common fan to this book. Yeah. Before the book even came out, comic book stores were jacking up the price up to like $60, $70, dollars for the, <laughs> the, the, the issue when it came out. And it was ridiculous. They were pricing out their own customers before the book was even out yet. They were taking $60, $70, $80 pre-orders because Batman's penis was on a page. <laughs> And it was just the most ridiculous and kind of gross display I've ever seen. You know, Emery and I are very, very uh, fervent supporters of your local comic book shops. And we have shops that we're very dedicated to that we love. Yeah. But it was so gross looking at these business pages just 
<laughs> shoving these things out into the ether because they know <laughs> they they could get a really nice quick buck off the uh, bat penis <laughs> reveal. Um, and again, because reviewers let it out of the bag way ahead of time, you know, before the public had access to these issues. Um, yeah. So it was... It was very silly. It was very over the top. And it's I feel bad for the creator because now the prerogative of his art is not, is the story great? Is the book great? Is the art great? Um, no, it's bat penis. That's all it's going to be remembered for. Bat penis. Too many dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really sad and really unfortunate. I, to, to be honest, I don't know why it's such a big deal. Like, it's not the first penis we've seen in the comic books you know just because it's this other imaginary character bruce wayne's like, did, did, did we forget that uh dr blue donk i mean dr manhattan already happened in like the 80s yeah and it, dc has come out you know talking about how it's censoring future versions of it which only jacked up the collectability and price of it more again before it was released um, yeah, again, victimizing fans, in my opinion, um, and then and <laughs> then they came out and said that they wish they never would have let it go through, you know, the editorial room and all that stuff, which I don't agree with at all. You know, you want this adult, you know, focused black label book out and in its true form, according to the artist and the writer. Um, that shouldn't be the problem. The problem is that it's being built up and hyped up and used to generate sales yeah. instead of this allowing a- people to access the story and the way they want and collect the books the way they want. You know, to me, it just hurts the physical comic industry, which I'm sure DC would love nothing more than the death of. Cause then, <laughs> you know, they can focus on their digital platforms that have a much lower barrier to entry. But um, <laughs> I was very, uh, that, that that's a segue into another news item. Yeah. So I was, I don't know how you felt about it, but I was very disgusted, not because there was a penis on the page, but because <laughs> of how many shop owners used it and manipulated it and the way DC themselves manipulated it to generate even more sales. So there is a, uh, a gif that explains perfectly how I felt about that entire proceeding. And it's from the Eric Andre show. And it's Eric Andre saying, how could they possibly, or no, how could they do something that controversial and also that brave? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I honestly wish that reviewers and people that had early access hadn't even talked about it. Because at least then fans would have had the chance to get it at a normal price, at the price it was intended to be sold at, and experience it, you know, firsthand without having it spoiled for them and all this other stuff. So I don't know. But there's only one way that that doesn't get talked about, and that is to not have it in there, which this is like the ultimate catch 22 of this entire situation. Either you commit to what you are trying to do, mm-hmm. which is to go a more adult-oriented route with this pre-established character, which could be amazing, but the taste has already been soured because as a result of the 
billion dollar man's penis being exposed. <laughs> we have to gouge yeah. the prices because you know how much that penis is worth? Billions. Billions. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh, like you, I was grossed out by the business practice side of it. This yeah, was, it was... It was not great. <laughs> it, it was... It was so blatant that this was an attempt to get more money from yeah. what they were trying to do. Here, and I understand it's not it's their job to make money, but I just thought it was too much. It was just, uh, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I just <laughs> it makes me angry thinking about it, so I'm just gonna let it go. <laughs> uh, but that does segue into with the next news topic of the summer. Uh, the DC streaming app has finally come into oh, fruition. It's um, here, folks. <laughs> when I first heard about it, I thought it was the dumbest fucking thing ever, and uh, <laughs> I think it would have a lot more value and a lot more importance if it was a WB app. You would think. A WB Universe app, kind of like Disney is building their app that's going to include Marvel things, that's going to include Star Wars things, that's going to include the proper Disney things, it's going to include Pixar things. That would make a lot more sense to me. Yeah, it would. But instead, we're getting the DC exclusive app, and it's just one of many of these new apps that are in the ether now between the CBS app, the HBO app, the Netflix app, the Hulu app, the Amazon app. It's add another DC fucking app, app. The Disney app, the ESPN app, all these things you have to have to watch these things. <laughs> and it, it, while it, they're not expensive in and of themselves, when you have to have several of them to enjoy the content you want to enjoy, it becomes very expensive very quickly and kind of counterintuitive to the business model. Um, I think the thing that I've noticed with this is that it's starting to turn these apps into the new TV channels Yeah, and that you're paying for individually. And I'm not opposed to that type of model. My issue is with the expense. Yeah. You know? A typical cable package can be, you know, up to maybe sixty, seventy dollars for like all the premium channels and all that stuff. And I am not a fan of cable or dish at all. I cut the cord as early as I could. You know, when <laughs> Hulu first started, you know, streaming, you know, everyday shows the day after, I was on that board like immediately. I, yeah, I was so happy and thrilled with that. It's just watch um, it on the internet. I paid, I think, seven or eight dollars a month. And I, I think eventually I moved to the higher tier when they offered commercial free version and paid the eleven dollars or whatever it was a month, and then they jacked up the prices even more. And you know, I yeah. get it; you got to increase things to have more content and blah blah blah. But it's it's now at a point where it's so expensive for each app that it doesn't make financial sense to invest in all of these services. So either you're missing out on the service, or you have to spend all this extra money for something that does not cost nearly as much money to produce and sustain. Right. Um, and it's, so it's just another kind of gross business thing. But I get it. As a company, you're there to make money, not to appease the crowd uh, necessarily. Um, and I was very opposed to this DC app for all the reasons we've listed. However, I will say I've kind of softened on it a little bit. Uh, I think it, as, as it currently stands, it's probably not going to stay this way. It's about $7, $8 a month, $7.99, I think, um, for the subscription. Plus, they give you a free trial. And it gives you access to a very large you know, library of previous DC content, including animated shows, live-action shows, uh, movies, 
um, a pretty decent catalog of comics, which is what kind of switched me over a little bit. Um, it's not quite, you know, the Marvel Unlimited, I don't think, but it's it's something substantial there to kind of add value to it, especially as they're kind of dragging their feet to get all these other shows that they've been promising out. As it stands right now, there's a few episodes of the Titan show, which I haven't watched yet. I'll probably get a free trial here, try it out, and see how the show is, although I don't have high expectations from what I've seen so far. Um, yeah, like between uh <laughs> titans being like what's currently the only reason up until i heard about a uh, young justice season three yeah being dc universe app only yeah and then like doom patrol i don't know very much about doom patrol except for they do feature in an episode of titans yeah there's the kind of more adult harley quinn animated feature but done in bruce tim style um yes. that i think clash a lot <laughs> I th- they made that movie bruce tim uh, drawn obviously uh whereas batman nightwing and harley quinn i don't remember what the title was but i, I think it was just batman and harley quinn yeah and th- even though nightwing was there it combined <laughs> the more innocent and childlike nature of bruce tim's art with a far more adult <laughs> vibe. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where Nightwing is basically raped. I, you know, I, uh, I mean, you're meant to interpret him you're wanting to participate, but he, right. I don't remember him giving consent at any point in that. But <laughs> I don't remember that, but I also don't remember that costume ever coming off. Well, I mean, not that you I, would need to. I, I, yeah, I was gonna say it's pretty <laughs> pretty thin material there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it was very strange. It's kind of like with the laughing joke; they use kind of the Bruce Tim style on a lot of it. Yeah, um, and the first scene is just a completely un. Oh, you mean the the killing joke? Killing joke, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh god. And we have oh. Batgirl having sex with Batman for oh. no reason. There's no historical reason for that it wasn't in the original book at all it makes it just, no sense it, it's just there for no reason other than to say hey it's there it, hey it's there want to see maybe, some side boob here it, maybe <laughs> have this as the motivation as to why bruce is mad that one of his protégés was shot and, 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 and paralyzed it can't be that it's his best friend's or, daughter or that it's his former protege like yeah it has to be that he stuck his penis in her <laughs> like it's, this doesn't make sense it's so like, guys come on i think this dc like... dc's been stumbling a little bit with its animated stuff not not because it's bad quality but because the writing is just forcing these things in there to be salacious and grab right. headlines i guess i don't know i, I think but. the thing that baffles me about the killing joke is that that story was already written that didn't need to add anything yeah. to it. <laughs> all the all the material is there, and I get if you want to take a little bit of artistic license, but that's just unnecessary, completely yeah. unnecessary. God, so I don't know. It's a little strange, but um, the DC app is out there for you to consume now. Uh, I probably will give you a little bit of a review. Um, don't expect it to stay at this price point for very long especially with all these other apps inbound. Yeah, so, and all of their other content soon to come along yeah. with that. And in every other market, there's kind of a competition going on, but for some reason in the streaming market, everybody just seems to agree 
to jack up the price after a certain amount of time. Yeah, uh, that because seems to be if the... you want it, you're going to buy it. And yeah, that's just how they kind of see things. I think uh, Netflix is going to be in some trouble once the Disney app comes out, just because so much <laughs> of its content is a, gen- a Disney property. <laughs> and I think um, if WB ever does make a comprehensive app. Yeah, they're going to be in a little trouble. I mean, they're already but, losing their CBS stuff because CBS is trying to force its app down our throats. So, right, I think Netflix is going to have a hard time in the future here, uh, maintaining its kind of status quo. Whereas, I think Hulu, they have the advantage of you know kind of putting up live TV items and then removing them after a period of time that I don't think the other apps have to worry about. So, yeah, it's more of a support app than a competition app and amazon's so big nobody's gonna (laughs) gonna even bother to try to compete with that one so uh next up uh as we address netflix is losing all the marvel and disney properties slowly but surely a lot of the shows have been recently announced to be canceled such as daredevil oh Um, and now of course it's probably a soft canceled it just means it's probably not going to be on netflix anymore and Marvel is going to take it, you know, under the branch of the Disney app and adapt it on its own platform at some point. Uh, fun fact about that. There's already been an executive that has gone on record to say that uh, the way that the contracts are drawn up, once these are canceled, in order for those shows to start back up again, not only do they have to completely reboot, but they have to completely recast as well. Yeah, unless they buy them out, which they're certainly going to. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. I don't. I'm not uh, concerned about that. That's just executive talk trying to jack up the price a little bit before they uh, have to sell uh, it with a gun to their head. Yeah, probably. So either way, it's uh, <laughs> it, uh, Iron Fist. I could understand. Luke Cage, I was a little upset about because I was actually excited to, you know, watch Luke Cage, like, actually be Luke Cage, which he did in season two, and I was like, man, I was ready for more. (laughs) But Daredevil? The one that started it all? (laughs) I mean, it's not going to stay on Netflix, no matter what you do. Disney's not going to allow that, no matter how much you try to pay for it. I just... They just, they, There's they, no benefit they, to they, it. They, they, they want might, that money. They want to tear off that Band-Aid and just start it up on their app and make money. So I don't blame Disney for what they're doing because they bought it for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> they spent billions, literally billions of dollars on Star Wars and on Marvel, and they're going to use that <laughs> investment as much as they can. And somehow Sony still has Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, we have the Spider-Man video game that came out. Uh, hey! Have you played it? Uh, yes. So I assume we're going to review it at some point in the near future. Uh, I'm finally getting around to Injustice. <laughs> Injustice 2 there. Um, so we'll talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but Spider-Man, what do you think? It was so good that I managed to blow through that entire game in a weekend. Wow. Now, mind you... Blowing through that entire game in a weekend means not sleeping. <laughs> We're pretty good at that already, so... Uh, yeah. That works. Uh, yeah. Uh, this game had me uh, 
mostly riveted from start to finish. There were a couple of minor gripes that I had with it because of, you know, having to, in my opinion, pat it out because it's a video game. Yeah. And trying to get your money's worth. Of course. But the story, ooh, was top-notch. Wow. Oh, my high God. High praise. High praise. So expect a uh, review and spoiler discussion in the future of that and several other things. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. and to, to give you a little taste of what that review is going to be like, story on par with Spider-Man Homecoming. Wow. Wow. I don't believe it. I don't believe you. <laughs> I guess... You'll have to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and surely I will in the new future. Um, in other comic book video game news, uh, Telltale, uh, <laughs> its Ooh. pyramid scheme finally collapsed. Oh, uh, the bad news. And a lot of projects, including um, uh, The Wolf Among Us Season 2, uh, took a hit. Yeah. Um, the, I know they had that Avengers project, which is probably completely gone now. Um, they had the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think they managed to finish that just in time. Uh, yeah, they they finished that before everything became unsolvent. Um, yeah, and Walking Dead season three was canceled um, halfway through, um, but it got picked up by the Walking Dead proper brand to be finished. How it's going to be finished, I'm not sure. Does that mean this team is going to come in and use their engine to finish it? Or are they going to have to create a brand new engine just to finish the game because they don't own the rights to the Telltale engine? So yeah. it's, it's a very confusing process. But Telltale looks like it's more or less going into complete bankruptcy. They're still looking for assets to sell and stuff like that to try to keep themselves afloat. Uh, a lot of employees were just dropped without severance packages or anything, and this all seemed to drop out of the blue. So it kind of reeks to me that somebody at the top was kind of sweeping a lot of debt under the rug and yeah. not really accounting for it. And then it all came to a head when they realized that they don't own any of these properties. Uh, they are leasing these properties. <laughs> And it's been reflected as a lot of these games have been pulled off, you know, shops, you know, whether it's, you know, the PSN or the yeah, Xbox network or Steam. Steam. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of these games have been disappearing, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, I really enjoy the Telltale games. I wish they would have fixed their engine a long, long time ago. And I, I think the episodic content structure is a bad business plan very much like current comic books yeah um, i would much rather they just released an entire game in that style instead of doing the episodic content because what usually happens is everybody waits until everything's done and then buys it at a discount right whereas Meanwhile, if you just released yeah. it all together you wouldn't have to worry about that and i'm sure it's taxing on their engine to kind of have to scan what happened in all the previous episodes and the download data and then conform the new episode to it every single time. Yeah. Um, so. it, it, it definitely reeked of, like, basically, as you were saying, like, living month to month. Yeah, paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck or episode a, to episode exactly. in this case. Yeah. It's like trying to get all of that money as quickly as possible while at the same time wondering why why your sales were steadily going down 
even though you weren't changing or innovating at all. Yeah. So it's it's kind of sad because I did enjoy the games. You know, I'm about to hop into the Batman ones. I really enjoyed Wolf Among Us. I enjoyed the first two Walking Dead seasons and the DLC that they had with the the first season. Um, so I uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed a lot of it. You know, I know they had the Game of Thrones thing, which isn't my thing but yeah i know a lot of people loved it i played the borderlands the tales of the borderlands one that was really great really funny really entertaining like they they've made good games it's just they've consistently refused to adapt their business model (laughs) consistently refused to adapt their software um to the changing times and they didn't improve their infrastructure at all and give themselves financial stability at all and I, I understand it's hard to do, but they had very successful franchises and games. They yeah. should have been able to work it out, but it doesn't seem they were interested in that. Yeah, uh, they, unfortunately, they, they had one specific structure, and they tried to ride that wave as long as possible. And yeah, it's like unless you change, you are going to die. So it, it definitely makes me sad, and my heart goes out to the developers and writers and staff because I'm sure they worked their asses off, and it's just poor management at the you know kind of top level that led to this and it's it's very unfortunate but yeah i guess that's just the way it goes sometimes uh next up on the news uh we have several new movies that uh we missed here and i figured we might as well talk about the movie universes a little bit um the biggest of which is probably venom right now which was surprisingly financially successful for a movie I did not expect to be financially successful, but I guess yeah. they, they dumped enough <laughs> into the marketing campaign. I mean, Venom was in and on everything. <laughs> everything. They dumped so much money into marketing, and they did it well, I think. Uh, I don't know about that first trailer still, but... This is how well they did. Uh, if anyone ordered something off of Amazon Prime now, you most likely got an all-black bag with big print word venom across the front. Yeah. So th- their marketing team deserves a raise. <laughs> they did a great job of marketing this movie. Um, I haven't seen it just yet. I'm probably going to see it soon. I don't really want to. <laughs> I've seen it. It's very entertaining. I'm not going to say it's good. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> so I expect a review of that in the future as well. Um, but it's there. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Enjoy it if you want to. Yeah. I will say that I've heard comparisons to like, okay. So say we're taking all of like the movies outside of the superhero universes and saying this, like we're comparing this one movie to all of these, this one movie being The Room, starring Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> comparing that to the rest of like the annals of film history. People have made a correlation from that comparison to how they're comparing Venom to basically current comic book movies today. It's... It is a sight to behold. <laughs> it's real comic book movie. <laughs> it's real alien behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you want to see that movie or you liked it, let us know. Uh, I'm going to see it, but I'm just worried. 
that's all. I, I have seen it. I'm just worried. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say right now that your worries are probably well-founded. That being said, you will still be entertained, much like watching The Room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ringing endorsement. Yep. And then uh, the, <laughs> the other movie we happened to miss uh, in our hiatus there was uh, The Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I know you saw it again. Yep. We were really busy. I did not see it. Yeah. Um, had a lot going on. What are your initial thoughts on it? It's another one. <laughs> Uh, the last okay. time you told me it's another one, something <laughs> horrendous happened. <laughs> and, uh, okay, uh, okay. L- let I me... was soured on an entire franchise, <laughs> probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> so when I hear another one, I don't necessarily think good things. Okay, okay. For the let... record, the last time you told me it's another one <laughs> was The Last Jedi. Oh, holy shit. Holy shit. Was that a bad movie? That was awful. (laughs) Awful. It still hurts. And literally, it still hurts. Removed my interest at all in seeing any future Star Wars projects, (laughs) including the Han Solo movie that just came out this year, that I had zero interest in seeing because of The Last Jedi. (laughs) I was that soured on the franchise. I just. I'm I'm done. Yeah, Star Trek. It is. It's it's all I got. <laughs> it's my sci-fi window. No, Star Wars is done. We're stuck with I've, Star Trek. I've given up. <laughs> How dare you say stuck with Star Trek? <laughs> Look, the, it's nice to have the option. Okay, Captain John Luke Picard is back at it. All right, Captain John Luke Picard is back at it in a show. That literally begged him to come on because they were doing terribly. That's true. They were, just, they were doing pretty awful. But it's like Patrick I, Stewart is awesome. Like I, I might He's actually not dead yet. I might. Yes, and thank, hopefully thank we'll never die. Yes, please never die. You and Ian McKellen, just stay. Just stay here. And I'm looking forward to watching that far more than any Star Wars projects in the future. That's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, oh, that being said, uh, that <laughs> now is this I, that, that type of another one? No. Okay. No, this one. <laughs> I say it's another one because that makes me scared because I <laughs> like the first Ant Man movie quite a bit. Yeah, the the first Ant Man movie is it's a lot of fun. This one is also a lot of fun. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is really good at physical comedy. <laughs> Hence why he was great in Anchorman. Yes. Yes. Uh, Please, more Brian Fontana. I would actually (laughs) just watch a Brian Fontana movie. I really would. That would be outstanding. It would. Oh, my God. (laughs) But uh, this movie, uh, while great in a lot of ways, um, I think it suffered from, honestly, the preconceived notion of trying to like i spent more time trying to figure out where this fit in with the mcu than i did like trying to enjoy the movie even though this movie had a ton for me to marvel at uh, uh you said it yep <laughs> now, um 
correct me if I'm wrong, this takes place before Infinity War, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, case in point, the uh, end credit scene tells you exactly where they are, like in the timeline at that point. Gotcha. Um, that being said, uh, there's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, there's... It seemed as though every single character had their own story going, which it blended together kind kind of well, but in a couple other ways, it was a little dizzying because you have Bill Foster, who also off screen because we'll never get to see that <laughs> he also got big much like uh jacked <laughs> n- not that kind of big Aww. <laughs> like I- i'm talking like 60 feet tall um they actually make a joke about like who got bigger <laughs> because Excellent. of course we're going to make that fucking joke this is Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, but then uh the wasp also got to do plenty of shining in this movie. Very nice. Which is exactly what we need more of. Because, uh, like, don't get me wrong, all of these characters are great, but it's become more and more apparent that the issue of representation in these movies has been a slow-going process. Interesting. Yeah. Again, I have no context for this. I've not seen the movie, so uh, uh, I'm just I, taking your word at face value yeah, I, here. I, I will say uh, the actress who played the Wasp, Evangeline Lilly, uh, she did a fantastic job. Loved every second of it. She was the, the perfect uh, foil to Paul Rudd's antics, of which there were many. Of course. <laughs> And she had plenty of moments to not only be badass, but show that uh, when you get right down to it, they really could have just gone with the Wasp. Wow. (laughs) Interesting. So, yeah, I definitely need to see it. I really enjoyed the first Ant-Man movie. And I should probably know what the hell's going on in the current Marvel Universe and catch up a little bit. Like I said, we've been busy. We've been working a lot. Uh, we, we've obviously moved locations, uh, yep. have new, uh, <laughs> new sources of income statuses and social influences and all of the above. So, yes, uh, we apologize for the long wait. We expected it to be a much shorter wait, uh, but we are ongoing and shaking out the rust and getting things going again. Yep. So, you know, life happens. A lot of catching up to do. Yep. A lot of reviews. It's, in the tank. Yeah, welcome to season two. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a lot to look forward to. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much all the uh, new movies that are out. So let's talk about some of the upcoming movies. Oh, um, yes. We have seen the trailers for both Shazam and Aquaman. Aquaman coming up very soon here. This oh, December. yeah. I think it's the 21st. Maybe that's the Europe release date but sometime in the middle of december we're getting aquaman um was not really thrilled with the first trailer i saw of it but this most recent trailer i saw i'm still afraid (laughs) (laughs) but i was much more encouraged 
by kind of seeing the visual effects of the actual Atlantis world and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I'm glad that Aquaman is getting his own movie because I think I happen to think the real Aquaman in the comics is fucking awesome. Uh, yes, I yes, hate, <laughs> I genuinely hate the kind of royal douchebag version of Aquaman that. <laughs> You know, I love Injustice, the video game, but they use the royal douchebag version of Aquaman that is completely unrelatable and unlikable. They sure did. And I just hate that version, even though I like using the character. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's very powerful. I like Arthur Curry, the you know man born it, on it, land, it, it, the to, fish out of water, to a, yes, <laughs> to a lifeguard <laughs> who just happens to have these incredible roots through his mother's line uh, that he may or may not know about, you know, that he may or may not have explored. I really like what the comics did, you know, I, I haven't caught up, but pretty recently where the Aquaman was kind of forced out of his throne and Mara kind of took over the throne uh, yeah. and instead because he was so unrelatable to the people and because he just knew so little about their traditions and the trajectory and what was best for them. Um, because he is at heart half human. <laughs> yeah. And while he does have that Royal line on his mother's side, he did not grow up in Atlantis and nor should he be expected to rule an entire <laughs> populace with no knowledge of them whatsoever. You know? Yeah. So that was cool to see. And I've really been enjoying that aspect. Uh, and of course, you know, Mara and Aquaman still have their kind of loving relationship, but now they can't act on it because Aquaman from more or less has been kind of exiled to an extent. And Mara is obviously busy. Yeah. <laughs> ruling an entire nation of people. So yeah, that's um, a pretty hefty job. I'm glad that Aquaman, even in this kind of bro friendly <laughs> Jason Momoa, I can pee on it, <laughs> you know, uh, version of Aquaman. Um, I I don't I still don't know if Jason Momoa was the best option for Aquaman, nor his portrayal of it. But I I did enjoy it in Justice League. One of the few things I enjoyed, and I, I'm actually very excited for Jason Momoa's portrayal for two reasons. He can pee on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he could pee on it. <laughs> um, the first one being, if we're making comparisons between Marvel and DC, this is their Thor. And this is a Thor that actually has a leg up on Thor. Like the, the Thor that we get in the MCU. As uh, the first Thor movie, he's all about like, ah, I'm a god, blah, 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 blah. I'll do what I want. Then Dad says... No, fuck you. Go go to Earth. <laughs> and you don't get your powers or your hammer and learn what it means to be human. And you dye your eyebrows blonde. Yes. Because, uh, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that really happened, people. Was it was first... weird. Check it. Watch the original Thor movie. His eyebrows are dyed blonde. I didn't realize it until I read about it. Years and years later, and as I was rewatching the Thor movies with my girlfriend and catching her up on the movies... I was like, wow, this first movie was not great. <laughs> but you know what? The second movie actually was pretty damn good. People give it a lot of shit. People give it a lot of shit. Because there's a lot of lore building and like slow parts to it because of the lore building. Yeah. But it's actually a really good movie with yeah. really good acting and really good dialogue and kind of a heartwarming interaction between Loki and him. And Yeah, I, I only have one gripe with that movie, and that is Cat Dennings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Meow. <laughs> meow, meow. No, 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 fucking meow. no. <laughs> I don't know why that bothers you so much. <laughs> it's, it's meow, meow. It's Mjolnir. Meow, meow. It is a. You son of. Getting back to Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, Aquaman has the benefit of having grown up amongst the humans. So he already has that relatability factor going in. Yeah. So instead of feeling like, ah, this guy's weird, straight up. And like, once you actually like watch him and listen to him, he's like, this is the dude that you want to party with. Yeah. <laughs> My man. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the other reason I'm very excited is that we finally stepped away from the Zack Snyder color palette, which is gray. Make, make everything drab. Gray. Everything, gray. everything drab the fuck up. No, not this one. We're getting bright, yeah. fucking colorful. It's, it feels and under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what makes me worried. It feels very Ragnarok like. And I know a lot of people enjoyed Ragnarok because it was so over the top and ridiculous and yeah, visually vivid. Yeah, that, I'm getting that's the, true. I'm getting this kind of feeling from oh, these trailers where it's going okay. to be very vis- visually appealing, but it's going to be so ridiculous and nonsensical that I'm going to hate it. <laughs> so, okay, um, even okay. though I... I'm enjoying myself a little bit throughout it, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, well, not that DC could disappoint. Me any more than they already have, oh. but <laughs> I think I'm going to be walking into another trap if I put my expectations too high. Yeah, let's uh, l- let's keep them low. Let- yeah. Let's keep them low and uh, let ourselves be surprised. Now, very similar to Suicide Squad, the other movie <laughs> has gotten me far more excited than I ever expected to be. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer for Shazam. Oh. Was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect, and I knew, I didn't want to get sucked back in. I tried so hard oh not to get God. sucked back in. They're really good at trailers, but just like the Suicide Squad trailer, <laughs> I got sucked in, and I was like, "I am seeing this movie. <laughs> Nothing is going to stop me from seeing this movie." I never Suicide yeah. Squad. I don't know how I avoided it for so long until you forced me <laughs> to verify that it is. It should not have been an Academy Award winning movie, <laughs> but uh, was possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh my god! <laughs> but my my hopes my hopes are absurdly high for a movie I should have no hope for, and I'm going to see Shazam because it's exactly what I expect Shazam to be. Shazam looks incredible. It looks like literally the. It, this is the kind of movie that I have been hoping for from DC this entire time. This yeah. is mostly what I wanted Superman to do for me was to like give me that hope and wonder and kind of make me feel like a kid again. But we don't need Superman for that. Nope. We shouldn't use Superman for that. Nope. That is what Shazam is perfect for and they are <laughs> leaning into it oh and it gives me a lot of hope but a very a very tentative hope yeah uh, 
I'm hoping I don't get burned again. I think I'm going to get burned again. But I have absurdly high expectations for this movie. <laughs> and it's probably not fair to this movie. The minute I saw a comics-accurate muscle suit on Zachary Levi <laughs> as he started flossing. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm, I'm so about this movie. It's not even funny. I'm so into this movie. Like, I think it's finally DC's time. I think they finally have figured out, instead of having an overarching feel to these movies, let each of these characters do what they do best. Yeah, and the only thing that makes me sad is that both Aquaman and Shazam have to be tied to the, the former universe. Yeah. That, you know, if Shazam is great, if Aquaman is great, they still, still have to. They're tr- still stuck to the old lore. They're, they can't just be their own cool thing in a, their own rebooted universe and kind of build, you know, the next thing like, you know, Iron Man did with the original Marvel Universe there. Yeah. Um, and it's. It makes me sad. Superman was going to show up in Shazam. They were going to do that. But, but Cavill's out. So. Yeah, no, well, Cavill is like they weren't paying him enough, so like they well, they decided not to do it. They would have to pay him an, an absurd amount of money to stay in that terrible franchise. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> I don't blame him at all. I just wish DC would just be open about it and be like, look, we fucked up. We're just going to kind of reboot. We'll use the same actor for Aquaman. We'll use the same actor for Wonder Woman or actress. It's like we've already got them signed. We know that they're pretty good and they yeah. enjoy doing the role. So we're going to keep them, but we're going to you know, kind of ignore the past and build the future. You know, yeah, that's what I would like to see, especially with the Shazam movie, because I think the Shazam movie might be good. Oh my god! And I don't want to <laughs> lose him when they eventually are forced to reboot because they lost their entire cast. <laughs> yes. So, oh my god. Uh, yeah. I- I'm really curious. Those two movies have me really curious about Wonder Woman 84. Because, like, according to the pictures that I've seen, there are going to be, at the very least, some goofy things that we see happen. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, Wonder Woman was great. You have to kind of put your brain aside for a few scenes, like the whole sword in her back scene and the whole Nazi party where everybody's speaking English. Uh, Perfect English. And the whole third act. And, yeah, basically (laughs) all the world wars being blamed on this one deity and then everybody just take. Making everything a black and white issue instead of a gray issue, which I thought they were going to do, and then they just completely shat upon. They they, they literally had the golden opportunity, and they shat on it. They really did, though. It hurts. So, um, yeah. (laughs) I have have an absurd amount of hope in a place that I shouldn't have any hope, (laughs) and I I think I'm going to get hurt again. I think I'm going to be up late at night after watching these movies, eating several tubs of ice cream and pizza and trying Just to crying. crying into a blanket by myself in a corner, you know, watching reruns of Golden Girls. Uh, it's, gonna it's like they keep telling me to let them back into my life and they keep hurting me every time I do. <laughs> so, yeah, look forward to that. 
on the Marvel side of things, uh, we have the first looks at uh, Captain Marvel, and I think we got the first trailer, right? Yes. I feel like I saw that trailer at some point this summer. So. Uh, yeah, the one where Captain Marvel punches an old lady? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so because it's Marvel, I have every bit of faith that it's going to be good. Uh, it seems weird that we're getting this kind of really old, like, uh, was it 90s version? Yeah, uh, a lot story. of... Um, so I don't know how they're going to age Brie yeah. Larson appropriately, or is she going to age? Because I'm a... Alien, yeah. or whatever. I don't know how long the Kree tend to live, but uh, I'm assuming that's going to factor in how they're going to age or not age Brie Larson for Avengers 4. Yeah. That being said... I am looking forward to another impressive de-aging, but this time with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And so, also Phil Coulson, uh, the, the guy who plays Phil Coulson, Clark Gregg, just to put that note out there. Yeah, but that makes me think that Coulson was an agent for like the past 20 years. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think that makes, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because that would mean he became an agent at like age 18. <laughs> Which, honestly, someone who's that big a fan, I could totally see that happening. <laughs> the guy had fucking Captain America cards. I guess <laughs> it's like, can, can I have the government? How would know about it? <laughs> can I have the government job where I get to, you know, talk to the people who met Captain America? That's all I care about. Yeah, so there's some <laughs> weird timeline things going on that's going to be a little hard to work around. Yeah, um, it, and it's it's early '90s, right? Uh, if I remember correctly. Whichever part of the 90s had uh, Blockbuster Video in it. <laughs> well, all of it. <laughs> no, that was like 96-ish, right? Well, it came out in the 80s, didn't it? Yeah. I, it it I, just got big in the 90s, right? Yeah, I think I saw a stray Nirvana t-shirt on someone, like in one of the pictures of this movie, so uh, take from that what you will. Post-91. Yeah, 91, yeah, 92. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see how they kind of work everything in together, and I'm sure there's going to be, you know, yeah. something at the end that implicates Bree into this new universe, which we saw at the end of Infinity War with the kind yeah. of uh, signal jammer there. <laughs> I I normally don't give a shit about Captain Marvel, mostly because he's like one of the space things that always seemed way too. Green Lantern ish, but with without any of the like cool like we have this cool oath where you 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 get a ring where you can make anything you fucking want. But n- no, we're doing complicated powers, and he's just an alien. And uh, Ms. Marvel, let's pass this on. So yeah, we, to someone relatable, nailed it. Uh, you you know what I want? I want Captain Marvel in this universe. Only so that I could have proper MCU rogue. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Speaking of rogue. Speaking uh, of rogue. We have some X-Men news to talk about. Oh, man. Now, everybody knows that they've been trying to film over at Fox this Dark Phoenix trilogy. Stop. And they were supposed to release X-Men, or not X-Men, but New Mutants. Is that right? Yeah. Um, a long time ago. long time ago. <laughs> 
Yeah. And we were all excited about it because we were liking how they were kind of biting into that kind of horror aspect. It, it looked fucking cool. Um, but since the purchase has finally gone through with Fox and um, Disney proper there, it seems like they're delaying all of these things, if not indefinitely, at least to cater the new casts to their Marvel universe in some way, shape, or form, which is probably a good thing for everybody involved. But that being said, you're probably not going to see these films in the form that they were supposed to be seen in. And I think it's directly related to the purchase. And to be fair, I didn't want to see the Dark Phoenix trilogy. Uh, but that's fuck. just me. Uh, I didn't want to see the Foxmen Dark Phoenix trilogy. Because do we really need to let you fuck that up one more time? Maybe it's just me, but I have never liked the whole Dark Phoenix saga story. I think it's really stupid that this alien bird entity just comes and possesses this powerful psychic for no real apparent reason. (laughs) Because, you know... (laughs) Firebird. <laughs> Firebird. Looks cool. She looks fucking cool. Oh yeah. my god. She can wear the skimpy outfit and be evil. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like a redhead who's wearing all red except for these like thigh high like bright yellow boots. And it's gonna be like skin tight and Hot. have like bird right across the boobs Hot. and because she's oh my evil. God. She's evil and hot. Yeah. Because that's what we want to do to Jean Grey. What? I just think there's a lot better storylines in the Marvel Universe and the X-Men Universe than the alien bird thing. The Dark Phoenix has a ton of potential, but there is a storyline that has actually way more potential. Actually, probably just as much potential as anything having to do with the Skrulls and the MCU. And I am talking about... The Phalanx. Imagine for a moment this uh, techno-organic thing has come to your Earth and has decided to both take over and copy people at the same time. So, Brainiac? Uh, Imagine Brainiac, but without the bright green douche, and it's just (laughs) all of the... It's all of his gadgets. Working on their own. So like the Bruce Tim version of Brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bruce Tim. Yeah. When in doubt, Bruce, Bruce Tim. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're going to have explicitly sexual content for no reason. In which case not Bruce n- Tim. Not Bruce Tim. No. Come on. Anybody God, else. Guys. <laughs> he's like mixing my feelings. Don't yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Um I think the the thing to Watch out for, in any case, having to do with these, because uh, on Fox, they do still have uh, a television show that's loosely connected to the X-Men universe called The Gifted. It's not terrible, but it's not great. I mean, a lot of people are doing... How do you feel about potentially losing Legion? I know you enjoyed the show. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, The thing 
that I noticed about Fox in its twilight, I'm going to call this the twilight era of the Fox's hold on the X-Men, is that they started to get a lot more experimental because hot. thing, uh, yes, <laughs> hot, uh, because things like Deadpool actually fucking worked. <laughs> like once they figured out that like not only can we do rated R shit, we can we can get weird, we can get real fucking weird. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. Legion. It's like oh. You mean we have this guy who has access to a ton of different powers and also has a a few different mental disorders sold. We could literally make any kind of show we want. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it is a perfect setup. But then we have things like The Gifted where it's all about the oh, you remember that uh that team that you keep going to the movies for? Oh yeah, this show's about everyone else. When they're emo. <laughs> it's like, oh, these these two factions keep fighting and uh-huh. we have all these people getting caught in the crossfire uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. we don't even do like robot sentinels anymore. We have this uh-huh. thing called Sentinel Services where it's just uh-huh. it's just SWAT team people. Uh-huh. And now this time we have Morlocks too because pretty people get to be on the top and ugly people get to be on the bottom. What the fuck? (laughs) Guys. It's a very emo show. Yes, it is. And it's like the storytelling could be so much more engaging had it branched out from the whole it's like and eh, we we have to hide who we are blah 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 you know the thing that made x-men great the moments in between having to do all these fights and shit where you got to see them for the people that they were uh logan being a uh womanizing cigar smoke smoking asshole uh cyclops being the uh Overprotective, overly calculating prick who has control issues. It's funny you say Logan's the womanizer. <laughs> I think Cyclops is the womanizer. <laughs> uh, okay. Whereas Logan's the one that gets way in too deep and then falls in love with every single one till they die in some tragic fashion or form. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> did it's they not take... that he's a womanizer. It's did... that, that everybody dies around him. That's true. Uh, uh, he Whereas does... Scott, Scott just fucks anything with boobs. Uh, he fucks any hot thing with boobs. It's like, uh, okay, here's who he's had. And these are all top tier, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you think so. <laughs> Jean Grey, Hat. who has been drawn as like the hottest redhead you will ever find in your life. Emma Frost, Hat. hottest blonde who dresses hotter than any woman you will ever find in your life. I don't know if hot's the right word. Maybe naked. <laughs> Just naked. Uh, and when 
he's not around with those ladies, uh, you'll find like the occasional issue where he's not with this girl or there's some girl trying to look like his current girl who gets with him and hot. it's like, oh, it's another, it's some other girl who's also still hot even when they're not looking like your already hot girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, Cyclops. Yeah, he, I think he's the womanizer. He's actually one. the... Oh, my yeah. God. He's the one. Yeah. The thing that Which would have... Which is why I hate him. Because he's the, a douche. The thing that would have made sense for Wolverine, they actually ended up giving to Cyclops over time. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. And then we have characters like uh, Beast, who... When we're not doing the whole, uh, you pretty people get to look however you want. I'm stuck looking like a beast. He's like, oh, yeah. Uh, wherever I go, I'm usually the uh, smartest person in the room until Reed Richards gets like anywhere within like 500 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Nightcrawler, who's like the one dealing with his faith all the time, devout Catholic, even though he looks like... A demon. A, a stereotypical image of a demon. Yeah. Uh, Angel, <laughs> who's the... Most useless member <laughs> of the X-Men. He's... I can fly! He... Yeah, like half of us can fly, <laughs> and we don't have vulnerable, fragile bird wings that we have to protect <laughs> to keep ourselves in the air. And he didn't for very long either, thanks <laughs> Apocalypse. <laughs> I Angel lost, sucks. I lost my wings. I will give you better ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we have uh, Magneto, who... <laughs> hilariously is the Jew who's doing his best Adolf Hitler impersonation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are the genetically superior. We are here to replace you. Lie down and rot. <laughs> Follow me, because I experienced racism. I was in a concentration camp. But you know what? Watch. Fuck all these guys. <laughs> Watch me. All these and, norms. Like, follow me, because I experienced racism. What are you doing? I'm enacting racism. Wait, what? <laughs> Hold, uh, we thought you had the moral high ground. Fuck moral high ground. I'm the strongest. Don't you see my helmet? <laughs> I'm clearly evil. <laughs> my helmet and my cape. <laughs> <laughs> Lie down and rot, normies. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we got those on the horizon to look forward to. Or do we? Now, this <laughs> last one's a really interesting one. Uh, kind of the first wrinkle that Marvel has had. Uh, for those who missed it, James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2, mm. had kind of a rough falling out with uh, Marvel proper and Disney, as, he, as it were, uh, because they discovered some of these... Uh, like a decade-old tweets. Yeah, really like tone-deaf, really not funny, awkward, like, pedophilia jokes that he had posted online. I mean, they were fucking bad. Like, real bad. And I get it, I, but they're pretty old, and he's it, obviously been successful for you in many other ways, and he, you know... The thing is, he came from the Tromaverse, or things like Swamp, not, not Swamp Thing, uh, Toxic Avenger... And Tromeo and Juliet, all of which were 
very crude, coarse, gross. Yeah. It's like they knew who they hired yeah. when they hired him on. He's notoriously a dark humor type of person. Yeah. I get it. Um I you know, I I sympathize with both their perspectives, but the kind of falling out that happened because the higher ups kind of got wind of these tweets and the social media postings, you know, these yeah. bad jokes. Uh, they dropped him from the project entirely. Uh, and because of that, several of the actors kind of protested, the biggest of which is Dave Batista, who completely dropped out of the project if James Gunn was out, which he is. Yeah. And both James Gunn and Batista have interestingly kind of <laughs> jumped ship to the other superhero universe, the, the obviously lesser of the two right now. Yeah. Um, this is a and very, jumping into the yeah. current DC universe. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm, I'm very saddened by because I think Dave Batista and James Gunn have better options than Suicide Squad Two. It's like uh, building off what is possibly the worst movie ever made, and I I don't mean like awful, like the room awful. I mean awful awful like there is i mean there is no entertainment to be gleaned from this movie yeah outside of captain boomerang of course (laughs) (laughs) but um it's i think that they're going to do a decent enough job but i think that the first movie was so bad and this universe is so bad in its current state that if they're not doing a reboot suicide squad movie it's a waste of their fucking time yeah so, about that i i get that they're kind of lashing out at their ex-girlfriend by doing <laughs> this but you probably shouldn't jump into the first cum dumpster you see who uh, that's that's my way of that's my james gunn way of phrasing it words to live by <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think that there is actually a silver lining here they're at the bottom Suicide Squad was the worst. They could only go up from here. You would think so. <laughs> but I think it's just career suicide at this point. Well, um, that that is very possible. Uh, unless somebody can convince DC to let them reboot. Yeah, uh, it's very possible. Oh, here's the thing. The, the wonderful thing about the Suicide Squad is that because of the very nature of the makeup of the squad, they could literally get an entirely new group of villains to do this with. They could. They won't. (laughs) But they could. I'm just saying, Dave Batista as a for-real Bane... I mean, Batista's going to be a great addition no matter what he does. The problem is he's going to be the only good thing in this movie that James Gunn is going to desperately try to keep afloat with very few tools (laughs) available to him. Um, So, best of luck. Best of luck. I don't think it's going to happen. And other DC movie news. Uh, We forgot to mention um, the Joker movie. The not the right. current universe Joker movie with um what's his name Metal Teeth oh fucking uh, Jared Leto Jared Leto the oh, it's awful yeah 
Yeah, it's just the worst. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! He sounds. He sounds like a dying goose. Someone uh, please kill him for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's so bad. Um, <laughs> but there's a new kind of completely separate Joker movie coming out. Um, being uh, was it Tarantino? That's uh, Scorsese. Scorsese. Thank you. Martin Scorsese is producing it. He's producing. Now, it was originally billed as being directed by him. But then he very quickly said, oh, no, I'm just producing it. Uh, it yes, so, that's the much safer option. But for it him. seems like a very kind of down to earth version of Joker, a very kind of almost Heath Ledger esque, but definitely different. Uh, I will say this about uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. Uh, while he doesn't have the uh, comics accurate like makeup going on, yeah, his, his coat the, is like red. Yeah, yeah so some, like he has a big red mouth all yeah, over him. It's a very different look from any Joker's we've seen before. That being said, he, the rest of his like getup and outfit, like when he goes full Joker, spot on, top fucking notch yeah I'm, i am weirdly excited for a joker movie <laughs> yeah me too i'm i'm I, i'm wondering how much they're going to take from the joker comic yeah um, i think it was uh, was it brian azarello i think that made that one. oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, but that one was a really cool book that was from the point of view of one of his henchmen and, bob yeah and Joker gets out of prison, and they go around doing gangster shit. You know, he's just yeah. basically a you know regular gangster, but with a little bit of a crazy edge to him. You know, more so than your typical gangster. And that he dresses like a clown and fucking murders people with <laughs> knives. And <laughs> he he's and, a gangster with a shtick, and is completely unpredictable. And it's it's very enjoyable, and it has a very dark ending, as you expect from a comic you know called joker uh, yeah and I, as it I'm, should i'm hoping that this movie kind of takes a little bit of influence from that and i hope that it's good and that <laughs> it's you know if it is good successful for being good and that it yeah. we can kind of build from that instead of what we're currently building on and kind of forcing into the you know popular media um, yeah and if it's just a completely standalone but enjoyable film i'm all about that too um because that opens the door for future projects that don't have to be tied into this terrible universe. Elseworlds. And don't have to necessarily, you know, be building a universe, you know, after it that kind of takes away from the focus of the movie. I, I have a feeling that uh, WB and uh, DC are gearing themselves up for more Elseworlds action. If not for the sole reason that... Um, well, the entire Arrowverse is about to do an Elseworlds like crossover thing, uh, like across I think three of their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they don't have Legends of Tomorrow getting into it because Legends of Tomorrow has John Constantine. Oh and yeah, they're having all of the fun, which sucks because Constantine needs his own show that's not in this weird future use universe thing. It's, yeah, it, it's, he, it, it sucks that he has to be the star of this ridiculous show <laughs> that is barely being kept afloat, you know? He yeah. deserves his own show again. He, yes, he does. Fucking NBC. He, I'm he, looking at you. He, he's amazing. He needs his own show. But I will watch the shit out of Legends of Tomorrow for now. Yeah, yeah it, Matt. Ryan is so good in the role. He's so damn good. 
Uh, to give you a taste of the silly bullshit that they've had him deal with, uh, the first thing that they've had him do in the first episode is deal with a killer unicorn. Now, mind you, this allows Constantine to be the, instead of getting super dark into like the angels and the demons and all this bullshit, like we, we let him deal with other supernatural threats throughout time. My fanboy heart can only take so much, DC. <laughs> can you please just give me a leg to stand on? <laughs> please? <laughs> I, I mean, it was kind of a joke to start with, but... Um, having everyone kind of get used to having Constantine on board and having him be himself, which is the the drunken asshole with a chip on his shoulder, but who's also kind of, for lack of a better phrase, devil may care about his own life. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks. Still shaking off a little bit of the rust. (laughs) It's been a while since I've done this. Well, uh, as I said, this would normally be the part of the show where we go into some topics of your choosing about the world of comic books and uh, have a well-thought-out debate or discussion about things we're interested in. But because we had to catch up on so much of the news, we're just going to leave it as is for now. Once again, expect kind of a Stanley uh, in memoriam episode pretty soon here. We got some reviews we got to knock out, and then obviously we got next week's episode to take care of. Uh, please bear with us as we kind of shake off the rust a little bit, uh, get everything set up again, kind of redecorate the new studio area. We don't have the nice brick wall anymore. Yeah. Uh, instead, we got this kind of weird molded thing going on with <laughs> my apartment <laughs> here. Um, so uh, please look forward to that. Uh, if you have any requests or anything you think we should look into doing in the future uh, or anything like that, any correspondence you want to have with us, be sure to reach out to us. We're on Twitter at htbvids. Or excuse me, htbvids <laughs> at htbvids. Again, shaking out the rust. Yep. Or uh, on Facebook forward slash hit the books. Um, you can always go on our website. There's a contact us page there. It directs us straight to the uh, podcast email. If you want to look us up there, we're on all of your popular podcasting networks. Uh, we're probably going to get on a few more here this season. Oh, yeah. And get everything taken care of. It's just a matter of the analytical side, you know, what they require of us, what we require of them to get everything on there. Uh, so please look forward to that. Um, you have anything to add before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think that's going to be it. All right. Well, folks, that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre! Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe on this episode and follow us on your podcast services and social networks of choice. Again, we're on Twitter at HTBVids. We're on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Our website is HTBVidsVids.com. I've been your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. Thank you for watching. We will see you next week. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. I don't know the rest or any Spanish. See you, folks. See ya.